This is H.H. from Just Another Horror Story. Thank you for listening. Inferno. I look around me. I am in a deeply wooded forest and it is nighttime. Heavy clouds hang in the sky, sheltering a blind moon. I am panicked, not knowing where I am. I put one hand against my forehead, struggling to remember how I ended up here in the middle of the night. My mind is misty and I cannot think straight. I feel off. Something is different here and this is no average forest. An evil resides here, I think. An evil that threatens to emerge at any moment. I can feel the danger in the air. My hair stands on end and my skin ripples with anxiety. My instincts told me that my survival would be tested tonight. Off in the distance, I can hear a scream. I immediately set off in its direction, calling ahead of me. Hello? Is someone there? Are you okay? I run through the trees blindly, following the sounds of the screaming. I get closer and see a fire burning in the distance. I approach and am stopped by what I see. A giant bonfire blazes in the center of an opening in the woods. People are dancing around it. They are cloaked and hooded in blood-red robes. Their heads are bound by a kind of gauze of the same blood-red color. I cannot make out the details of any of their faces. I stand in the distance, hiding behind a tree, merely observing for now. A group of naked people huddle together to the side, terrified and weeping. They are smeared with dirt and grime, and their eyes are stark with fear. A row of robed ones kneel down on the other side of the bonfire, playing drums. The others dance in rhythm to the beat, moving freely and with great passion. They dance as wild animals around their lord, the blazing inferno before them. The beat of the drums grows faster and faster. The dancing grows in fervor, and they spin, leap, and wave their hands towards the fire and back to their chests. Reaching, reaching, their fingertips graze the edges of the flames. They sensually rub their chests and moan in chorus with each other. I watch in amazement. There is a strange beauty to the scene that I am arrested by. Suddenly, one of the robed ones grabs a woman from the naked group. She screams in terror and is violently dragged to a rope draped over a tree branch. They slip the rope noose around her feet. Robed ones pull the rope, one heave two heaves, and so on. She is lifted upside down, hanging directly above the fire. Her hair is instantly set ablaze and burns away. A foul odor is released, and I can smell it from where I stand. They begin to lower her into the flames. She struggles and flails like a wild animal. She emits an ugly animal bleat of suffering as her head is lowered. Her face is swallowed by flames. In the distance, I can make out her skin bubbling, burning, and the flesh below beginning to cook. Her eyes begin to bulge and cloud over. The robed ones begin to laugh together, sending up their voices into the atmosphere. She is lowered even further and stops screaming after some time. Horrified, I begin to withdraw from the scene but cannot look away. A giant robed one approaches the woman with a ceremonial blade. The robed one brings up the blade and reaches through the fire. It slits the burnt skin of her throat. Blood trickles out and the robed one lifts a cup to collect its sweet drippings. It takes the cup to its lips and takes three long drags. The others hoot and holler, jumping around the huddled group of naked people. One grabs the ankle of one of them, a woman. They drag her to the flames as she screams. Four robed people surround her, holding her down by the legs and arms. A fifth one approaches her and takes out an erect penis with the head of a snake.
She looks upon it and her eyes stretch wide as her face contorts with hysteria. She shrieks and kicks wildly. They pin her down and the fifth one lays down and enters her. As he rapes, the others begin ululating and singing in an alien language. The other robed ones bring torches to the flame of the bonfire and ignite them. They stand in a circle around her, waving their torches from side to side. The woman has quieted and is limp. The rapist releases and ejaculates on her stomach. They reach down, laying flat palms on her and rubbing the semen into her skin. Another robed one approaches, raises a machete, and brings it down on the woman's throat. The machete meets bone and makes it halfway through her neck. With two more hacks, the woman is decapitated. They throw her head into the flames. In my horror, I am unable to move. I beg myself to run, to escape before I am noticed, but my muscles refuse to obey. I have stayed here for too long. The robed ones grab another naked person from the group, this time a man. They proceed in the same fashion as the woman and pin him down on his stomach. Another robed one takes out their erect member and penetrates the man anally. The man shrieks in pain and horror at this violation. It is here that I am revolted to the point that I am shocked out of my immobility. I run away. It is dark and I can barely see in front of me. I sprint in blind panic and am whipped by branches. My skin is bleeding and my hands are torn, but I continue to run. My breath turns shallow and I am gasping for air. A dark miasma of fear wraps itself around me as fingers of shadow graze my face, grabbing at my hair and clothes. I suck in the black air and reach in front of me, feeling for the trees and thickets. I begin to hear voices around me. They overlap each other, coming from all over. A small voice whispers in my ear of sweet death's release. A gruff voice shouts from behind me to run, run, run. A mysterious voice laughs in the distance, letting loose a wild, incoherent sound that echoes around me. I run harder, trying to escape them. They follow me in the dark, consuming my thoughts. In the distance, I see another blazing fire. A mild fugue state seems to take me over, and I am unable to resist following the light. My footsteps are not my own, and I am unwillingly drawn to the flames. I reach the end of a clearing and hide behind a tree watching the immense bonfire roar with fierce flames licking the hot air. A man is strapped to a chair of uniform spikes across his back, seat, and armrests. He is held down by leather cuffs around the wrists. Blood coats his back and he is slumped, apparently unconscious. A white-robed one emerges from the dark. The white one is adorned in gold trim and a large crucifix in hand. Rows of necklaces with teeth and severed fingers circle its neck and rattle softly as the figure walks. Two red robe ones follow soon after, one holding a pair of iron pliers and the other carrying a container of two rocks above a bed of red-hot coals. Gauze covers their faces as well and their features are shrouded in anonymity. The white one moves behind the trap man and raises its arms to the sky. It lets out a scream a long bleat of a goat, and the booming sound vibrates the trees. I put my hand against my ears and cringe at the inhuman sound. The red robes approach the man. One sets the hog coals down and lifts one of the man's legs up. He stirs and awakens. Awareness begins to pierce through his eyes and fear takes him over. The man begins to fight against his restraints, but 
Remembering where he sat, he stops his painful struggling. The robed one holds his leg firmly, and the man's eyes shift erratically, taking in the hot coals in front of him. The iron pliers are lifted and brought to the base of the man's exposed foot. I feel an urge to look away, but do not. Some kind of spell has draped itself over me, closing the curtain on my own willpower. I continue to watch. The one with the pliers shoves the red-hot stone into his flesh. The man shrieks in pain and, forgetting the spikes, begins to twist and fight desperately. Blood flows fresh across his butchered back, and old scabs are torn open. The robed one holds the rock on his foot, unrelenting, until the flesh sizzles, burns, and splits open. They release the man at last, and he slumps, drooling and shocked out of his body. They raise his other leg and repeat it all. After they finish, the white one raises a hand, and the two red robes back away in deference. The white robe reaches into its sleeve and removes a large, rusted iron nail. It moves in front of the man and pries one eye open with its fingers. The man starts and sees the end of the nail, millimeters from his eye. He screams again and with a severely hoarse voice says his first words. Don't take my eye. Father, please, I beg you, don't take my eye. The white robe shoves the nail deep into his eye. The white pinkish flesh immediately pops, spilling blood and becoming a mess of tissue. He shrieks and begs for reprieve. The white robe pushes it in, slowly, twisting as it goes deeper. Tears pour from the man's other eye, and his voice has dissipated into weak moans. The white robe moves on to the other eye, and I am broken from my spell. I turn and run away. To my shock, the red robes notice and chase after me. Terrified, I sprint in the other direction. The white robe turns its face to the sky and lets out a bestial scream as the red robes run after me. I turn my head around and watch as the red robes gain distance on me. With no awareness of my surroundings, I run blindly. The sound of their footsteps behind me pushed me on faster, faster. I reach a colossal tree and duck behind it. It becomes silent in the darkness, save for my quick breaths. The red robes have disappeared. I lean against the tree, relieved and coming down from my fear. From the other side of the tree trunk, I can make out a faint light. I scoot over to the edge of the trunk and peer around the corner. A woman stands with her hands bound by rope. A hollow expression possesses her face. Two red robes hold lit torches and glinting hunter's knives. One of them slices open her clothes above the waist, revealing her naked torso. She bares her teeth in an ugly, animal-like submission. She begins to shake her head no when the red robe traces the tip of its blade along her stomach. It shoves the blade deep into her navel and blood pours. She gasps and begins to shake. It drives the knife into her gut up to its hilt and begins to saw upwards. From navel to sternum, it slashes her open and a torrent of blood gushes out. She coughs, gurgles blood, shudders, and is still. It pulls out the knife and reaches into the exposed organs, pulling out the large intestine. Dark red tissue stretches as it's pulled out, eventually releasing and unraveling from within her. She is quiet and begins walking, the intestine held in hand by one of the red robes. One remains stationary while she pulls the intestine forward with her. The other red robe follows her in stride, lighting the way with its torch. Her pace slows as her body begins to give out. Blood flows heavily from her wound, collecting down below on the floor as she moves. 
She grits her teeth with great effort. Her intestine stretches behind her as she leans against the tree for support. She continues to walk with steady steps until she finally collapses. The red robe closest to her kicks her over, revealing dead, stoned eyes. It cuts her intestine off and holds it up against the tree. They both proceed to nail the intestines where they stand, draping its entire length against the trunk of the tree. I turn to leave and am shocked by the presence of another behind me. It wears black robes and gauze like the others. It brings up one finger to its lips, signaling to remain quiet. Not wanting to draw attention, I agree and am silent. Grabbing my hand, it leads me away from this horrific scene. We make some distance away from the tree and stop together. It is pitch black now, and the robed one lights the lantern, lifting it to our faces. In the new light, I can make out the brand of a pentacle on each palm. The scarred tissue is thick and red, oozing blood, and appears to have been branded recently. Frightened, I look at the thickly gauzed face with apprehension. With one trembling hand, it cups the side of my face. It smears blood across my skin and pulls away. It speaks. Now, now, be not afraid, my child. I am the catalyst of this realm. I will show you the way out of the forest. I remain silent but hopeful. It speaks again. Come now, come, follow me. It takes my hand once more and leads me. I follow, eager with the promise of escape. We walk together without another word for what feels like hours. My bearings are completely lost, but I grip its hand tight, following obediently. Strange sounds follow us in the night, odd whispers and laughter. The night is alive and bristling with a cacophony of horrific sounds. The robed one grasps my hand with its own and pulls me. Hand in hand, the robed one and I begin to float above the ground, moving with impossible speed through the forest. We are flying across the night and I become exhilarated as we move faster and faster. We zip and dive between coiled and knotted wood, tearing me to and fro. Air whips across my face, making my eyes water. Silently, we journey through the immense forest for what feels like days. Hand in hand, we burst out from the top of the woods and travel to the clouds. We surface and are in the rarefied air of moonlight. A full moon hangs against a starscape of shining light. I breathe deeply and gaze up, nearly blinded by its radiance. I feel that this moment is eternal, that I am not existing in a singular time and place. The forest is far gone from me, obscured by the blanket of clouds below us. The stars begin blinking in colors, red, blue, green, purple. They twinkle in and out, lighting up the sky with a cascade of magical hues. Music begins to creep into my ears. A deep bass begins pounding and electronic beats pulse through my body. I shudder, eyes roll back, and I begin dancing. The robed one and I soar across the sky, undulating in rhythm and in sync with one another. I feel that my body and mind are no longer one, and my corporeal being has been removed from me. My thoughts have begun their travels to another world, one that I have never witnessed. The scene halts abruptly and the music is gone. The robed one looks at me with its invisible face. At long last, it lets go of my hand. I can feel gravity upon me once more and I am now hurling towards the earth. I pass through clouds and observe, screaming, while the rooftops of trees await me below. Impact. I hit the branches heavily and feel my bones shake and shatter. 
My neck snaps back, broken and stuck awkwardly at an odd angle. Pain tears through me as I collide against branch after branch. I hit the earth with a thud on my back. My arm has a compound fracture and I can see bone jutting out. I hiss through multiple broken ribs and can only breathe in sharp gasps. Blood fills my mouth and begins to dribble and foam against my lips. I stare up at the dark branches like ghostly spectators imparting silent judgment. It is silent, save for my struggle to breathe. Blood pools beneath my body and I can feel myself growing colder, slower, darker. My heart beats weakly. I begin to feel sleepy. I am aware that these are my last moments, that I am slowly but surely dying. Absently, I feel that there is nothing but darkness after life. I accept that death approaches and relish the release that is to follow. I am ready to leave this forest and I accept that my time here has finished. It grows harder and harder to keep my eyes open. Consciousness is leaving me and I don't mind it one bit. Time is caught up to me and I am set along a path that I cannot escape. I close my eyes and sleep. My breath slows, growing softer and weaker. I pass in my sleep and my small, meaningless life evaporates. With a shocked gasp, I suck in breath and am awake. I look around, my lungs begging for air, realizing that I am still in the forest. The pain is gone and my body is restored to its original state. I feel across my body in disbelief, the shock jarring me. I crouch down, hug myself, and scream in anger, frustration, and most importantly, in fear. Not even death would relieve me of this horrid world. Was there any escape? Was I condemned to an eternity of sour sweat and copper blood? I begin to laugh in a humorless voice, giggling and chortling. A woman emerges from the darkness, carrying a lit lantern. Her belly is heavy and swollen. She holds one hand to the side of her torso, moaning in a low voice. I stare at her, still softly laughing, as she falls to her knees. She leans forward on all fours and her moans grow louder. A sick, sloppy sound emits from between her knees. She screams and ejects a mass from within her. She sits back down and picks up the dark and bloody mess. It is an infant. She wipes the blood and placenta from its forehead, looking down upon it with sweet eyes. A few moments later, she grins wide and cold. She grabs it by the ankle, hanging it upside down. The infant slowly opens its eyes, taking life and growing in awareness. It begins to scream and cry. The sound grinds against my ears and I am repulsed by it. The woman holds the baby up high and swings it with full force against the thick trunk of a tree. Blood splatters as the infant's head makes contact. It continues its crying, shrieking in pain and confusion. The woman rears it back and slams it down into the ground. She raises it, revealing a broken face. One of its eyes has burst, oozing blood and flesh, and its nose was flattened, clogged by blood and snot. Its crying is muffled by its shattered mouth. I pause, in silence, and then begin cackling wildly, holding my sides as I howl with laughter. The woman swings the baby across trees and earth, swinging as casually as she would a sack of potatoes. The lantern is knocked over, breaking glass and lighting the tree ablaze. Fire pours over, spreading to more trees and turning leaves to ash. The baby still struggles to live and the woman lays it on the ground. She puts two hands around its delicate small neck and squeezes it with all her strength. She hisses as it silently squirms. I bend over, laughing with great force. 
The sound bellows from my chest and I whoop and holler, dancing around them both. I gasp between laughs, sucking in air to laugh even harder. The laughter takes on the quality of screaming and it is impossible to distinguish between the two. The fire reaches us both and swallows us up. Woman, baby, and myself are burnt to a crisp. I awake once more in a different part of the forest. I am on a small earthen path that leads through the woods. Thick foliage straddles the path and I am forced to walk down it. It is silent and still all around me. I walk for what feels like months and my mind grows numb. Nothing comes along for this entire time. Not another person, monster, robed one, anything. It would appear that my punishment was loneliness. To suffer the subconscious unbridled and powerful. To be drowned by my own fears and pain. To be blind to joy, to be blind to strength and compassion, everything one might seek to escape suffering. To be powerless, to be lost on a single path, to be shredded by an unforgiving tempest. All this and more passed my thoughts during this time. I often attempted jumping into the foliage, making my way through the woods on my own, but each time I arrived back at this path. After begrudging resignation, I accepted this path as my fate. I shuffled forward with one lazy step at a time. Suddenly, standing on the path before me was a human head. Two arms and two legs protruded from its temples and where the neck would have been. It has brown hair, has a man's face, and wide, black, misshapen eyes. Its skin is heavily scarred. Deep red blotches mar its cheeks and forehead. A gruesome, oversized mouth hangs with blood-red lips. Seeing me, it is stunned and begins running down the path. It moves with more speed than I think possible, and I take off, sprinting after it. Please, wait! I call out to it. Please! In my loneliness, I desperately try to catch up. Please, don't leave me here alone! I scream while waving my arms. After running for some time, I have finally reached the end of the path and see an immense, gnarled tree. A large hollow exists within the trunk, and I see the head's hind legs as it hides. A voice calls from within the tree. Go away! You are not welcome to my home. Leave now. Please, I don't want to be alone anymore, I say. Please come out. All I want is conversation. The head pokes out, eyeing me up and down. You're not like the others, it says. What do you mean by that? I ask. You look sane. That's not usual around here, it replies. I don't know about that. I feel pretty crazy. I laugh and it comes out with a squawk. You can have a conversation. You aren't crazy, it says with a slightly judgmental tone. Why are you not crazy then? I ask. Because I was created here. This is the world I was born into. I can't go crazy in a world I've known since birth, it says. Still, you're the first I've had a rational conversation with. And you aren't killing me. Now that's unusual for here, I say humorlessly. Yes, well, I don't enjoy talking, so if you will kindly move on and leave me be, it says with annoyance. It turns to go back in its hollow and I call out to it. Please, at least answer me this. How do I escape from this wretched place? It looks at me and laughs. Leave here? There's no such thing. Have you not experienced this for yourself? I grimace in fear. There must be a way, something no one has tried. The head stood up on its legs and put a finger under his chin as it thought. Hmm, well, there might be one way. 
What is it? I ask eagerly. Give me an eye and I'll tell you. I blink. My eye? Yes, your eye. You think I would give this information out for free? The head disappears back into the hollow and returns with a necklace in hand. Eyeballs hang from it, still wet and slick. I look at it blankly. You want me to give you one of my eyes so you can wear it. The head softly caresses the moist fears. They are my favorite. Look at how they stare and observe. I am like these eyes, you see. I look but do not participate. I'm a collector, you see. Just how am I supposed to pluck my own eye out? I ask. Here, the head pulls out a rusted scooper. It's the perfect size I use it all the time. I accept the scooper and hold it in my right hand. So I just shove this in and try to scoop? The head slaps its hand on the ground repeatedly. No, no, no. You'll ruin the shape of the eyeball. Give me this. It jumps up and snatches the scooper from my hand. It looks at me, annoyed and waiting. I realize it needs me closer and I kneel on the ground. It reaches up with the scooper and I stop it. Wait, wait. Okay, just give me a second. I breathe in deeply and say, Okay, do it. The head grins and brings the scooper up. It grabs my right eyelid and pulls it up. It moves the scooper in and twists. I scream as the head pulls back. My eyeball squeezes through the socket and pops out. Through my cries, it pulls harder against the red flesh tethering my eye to my head. With pinched fingers, the head disconnects the eye from muscle, and it is over. I fall back, holding up my hands against the empty eye socket. Jesus fucking Christ! Fuck you, I say, enduring the hot pain left over. I look around with my one left eye, and I'm slightly jarred by the change in depth perception. The head eagerly scampers into the hollow and returns. Thank you. What a wonderful eye you have, the head says with cheer in its voice. Yeah, no problem, I reply. Okay, so how do I get out of here? Oh yes, the head says, as if just now remembering. I am not sure if this will work, but it is the closest to escaping as I think is possible here. You must go to the great denizen that holds lordship over this realm. A grand beast it is, and none that approach it return to the woods. No one knows what happens in the bowels of this land, where it dwells, but I know it is the one creature that anchors us all here. What is it exactly? I ask. I don't know. Why do you assume I have all the answers? I'm just a walking head. But as promised, I will help you find this being. The head raises one hand and a raven comes flying from the branches above us. It perches on my shoulder and cocks its head back and forth. The head speaks to it. Take this one to the caves. The raven calls once and starts flying. It carries me by the shoulder through the air above the trees and flies to the center of the woods. It descends and drops me off in front of the mouth of a cavern. Crimson light glows from within it and emanates a dark energy. I say goodbye to the raven as it flies back into the woods. I resolutely face the entrance of the cave and clench my fists tight. I hesitate to take a step forward, feeling a deep chill. Suddenly, a bloody white face flashes through my mind. I close my eyes, shaking my head as if I could cast the thought away from me. The face flashes once more and I can see its yellow eyes. I look at the cave and the face flashes again and again. Its teeth are sharp and its eyes slowly turn to look at me. 
I grit my teeth in anger and feel panic rising in my chest. With each flash, the face grows closer and closer to me. I feel the greatest fear of my life, worse than I have ever experienced, a fever pitch of terror that crescendoed within me. I can feel the evil of this cave wrapping around me. The face begins to split into a malicious grin, its sharp teeth clicking and clacking. I ignore the impulse to run away and instead force my feet to start moving into the cave. A deep ruby light illuminates the cavern softly. The ceiling hangs low and I make my way down the only path available, straight into the earth. The path grows tighter and smaller as I walk, hunched over. There is an unbearably pungent scent of sulfur in the air. I cough and the air tastes poisoned and thick. My breathing grows ragged as I struggle to breathe. The path gets even narrower and I am on all fours, crawling down the tunnel. Tighter and tighter, the tunnel squeezes me in. I am now on my belly, sliding along the ground like a snake. The rock around me begins to restrict my breathing. I start to worry that I am going nowhere. I have no choice, though, but to move forward. I reach the narrowest part of the tunnel thus far and cannot move. I am pinched firmly into a crevice. Painfully alarmed, I take a deep breath. The stone shifts, dust rattles, and it suddenly moves two inches lower. I gasp out in pain and am now completely immobilized. Abject horror shrieks its way through my nerves and I desperately resist the urge to scream and kick like a dying animal. I realize that I am now that trapped animal, that I am the one caught in a slow, miserable death. I stop moving and take short, measured breaths. I look around me for anywhere to crawl out, but it is impossible. The crimson light around me begins to fade and ebb away. There is now nothing down here but the dark and stone. My heart begins to weep and I feel defeat sapping energy from my limbs. I breathe quietly and shallowly. That damn bastard, I think to myself. He lied to me. That damn bastard. I resign myself to my fate and impatiently wait to die. Seconds turn to minutes, hours pass by and then days. Or at least it seemed that way. Suddenly, a light shines down on me. Slowly, I turn my head and look up. I can see a deep and wide hole through the ceiling of the cave. I am absolutely shocked to see the rays of sunlight cutting through the dark. Another world exists above me. I can make out its details even from here. Blue skies and white clouds drift across an idyllic afternoon. People pass by, unaware of me. They peacefully enjoy the vital trees and rolling hills. I am filled with hope by this sight and try to shout to them, but my voice won't work. I beg for help, beg to be released, beg to be seen and be taken to a kinder reality, but they cannot see or hear me. I mouth out the words but cannot form them with my voice. I struggle to move but cannot. Sheer tears slip from my eyes, running down the side of my face. The sun shines brightly from above. Even from here, I can smell the sweet perfume of cut grass and wildflowers. I imagine the wind up there, so soft and gentle. I can nearly feel the warm sunlight on my skin. I watch down from here, seeing all this before me. Despair pierces my heart. Time passes and I grow withered with time. The sun continues to shine weakly down on me. I form silent words with parched and broken lips. I continue to beg for salvation. 
I begin to lose sensation of my limbs and my vision darkens. Gratefully, I allow death to take me. I lay there until my skin dries, cracks, and my bones are picked clean. I open my eyes and I am suddenly awake. I am back in the woods. I fall to my knees and lay on my back looking up at the somber clouds. I begin laughing growing in volume until I am cackling like a loon, slapping my face over and over again. I flip over and begin to run on all fours into the deep blackness of the night, howling towards the sky. This podcast is part of the Tapped House Media Network. Thank you for supporting the show. You can find more from Tapped House at the link tree in the description.